Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of Between Two Term Sheets, where we meet with prominent investors, founders, venture builders, and accelerators to discuss early-stage funding in the high-technology space. Our host is Owen Matthews, founder, CEO, serial investor, and chairman of Alacrity Canada. Uh, thanks for coming in uh, today to speak to us. We'd love for you to take some time and tell us about your fund. Sure, happy to. So I think it goes back to 2015 when uh, Fraser and Dan, my co-partners in the fund, built a business called Recon Instruments that from 2008 to 2015 was, you know, at any given point, it was either worth a lot of money or it was worth nothing at all. It was early days heads up display that went into cycling glasses and snow goggles. They eventually sold the business to Intel, so it's a good outcome for everyone, founders, investors, employees. But along that continuum of building that business, they identified that early-stage capital in British Columbia was the most difficult capital for them to source, and it's also the most painful in terms of the quality of the investors they were able to source. So when they sold the business, uh, they wrote me in, and we raised kind of what we call a minimum viable fund, which was uh, $15 million in 2015. And that's an indication of how new and kind of green we worked the industry. We called the Vancouver Founder Fund, not realizing that Peter Thiel, one of the most successful uh, venture capitalists out there, also has a Founders Fund. So we also didn't check trademarks. Um, so in uh, 2017, <laughs> we went through a rebrand and kind of did our best KFC interpretation and just called it VFF. So we're VFF going forward. And uh, we've raised a second fund now with a similar focus to Fund One, which is being the early stage partner of choice for entrepreneurs in Western Canada. And we do that with a dedicated focus on a service mindset. So we used to call it like the Jerry Maguire of venture. But I think as entrepreneurs now are getting younger and younger, the millennials, that, that analogy is getting lost on them. So the concept is we want a very concentrated portfolio, only 12 to 15 companies per fund. And we want to be service-oriented. So we want to help these companies as much as possible, as opposed to asking for a whole bunch of reporting and certain obligations from them. We like to say, what can we do to help you move the needle or expand your team's capacities? So that's kind of the ethos that we run BFF with. We have two funds, and we're focused, as I said, on companies at the early stage in uh, from predominantly British Columbia, but we're also expanding uh, slightly further west, uh, slightly further east, sorry, uh, in Calgary, Edmonton, uh, and Winnipeg as well. Yeah, and, and a little bit west because we have done we have done some deals in Victoria. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Now, Jay, you touched a little bit on on the market. You guys were busy raising a uh, raising a fund starting around uh, you know 2015, 2016. A little overview of what's happening in the market. You know, British Columbia. Uh, obviously, uh, there's a there's a lot more going on uh, than when you started. Uh, so there's a lot more activity. Yeah. Canada in general. There's I think we're in a we're in a good venture market. Give, give me your view of what's happening in the Canadian venture market. Um, you know, when you start moving up the chain to to you know the the later stage uh, funds, and and obviously uh, compare that to our our big brother. Uh, down south and, and what's going on in that market? So I think the, the theme of the last few years has kind of been fewer and larger, fewer and larger funds and fewer and larger deals that are being done. And when you think about our own kind of backyard of, of British Columbia, we look at um, the different stages of the companies that we get to look at and the different uh, stages of the capital. So in general, we think that capital becomes a lot more mobile as the company matures. So at the early stage, the stage that, that we operate, BFF operates at, uh, we think that there's it's really angels and maybe some Series A or Series B funds that occasionally go a little bit earlier and invest in the stage that 
great opportunities. Um, and as those companies do mature, some of the companies are portfolio that we've seen this firsthand with, that when they've reached kind of that Series B or Series C stage and they've clearly defined product market fit, they're more than $10 million in recurring revenue or more than kind of 20 or $50 million in e-commerce or transactional revenue business model, the, um, the availability of capital is just immense. So late-stage capital sources from the U.S. are hungry for deals, um, and we see that across the later-stage uh, companies in our portfolio. And I think the, the landscape more broadly in Canada, I think it's, it's unevenly distributed. So in Toronto, Kitchener-Waterloo, Montreal Corridor, there seems to be an abundance of early-stage capital. And some of the deals that we see that get done there at the prices that they're being done at doesn't really uh, make a whole lot of sense to us. And I think we're in this, from an investor standpoint, we're in a privileged uh, position where in British Columbia there's an abundance of opportunities and there isn't that irrationality that's been brought into the early stage market that has uh, seems to have taken place in, in other parts of Canada and certainly in the U.S. Excellent. Well, I, I have to concur. I mean, it seems like good times, lots of great opportunities here in B.C. and uh, and certainly plenty of growth capital available. At the same time, not really out of control pricing um, for companies. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. So, so let, let's let's talk about what you look at. There might be might be some listeners that uh, that might look you up if uh, if you're a good match. T- tell me the type of companies that you like. Yeah, totally. So, I think in general, because uh, we run very concentrated portfolios, we're only going to invest in the 12, 15 companies per fund. It means that um, we end up saying no to lots of really great companies, which is which is the hard part about this business. But um, kind of the, the high-level criteria we look for are, first and foremost, is this a venture-scale business? And the yardstick we use is, can we return the entire fund with our ownership position and how big we think this opportunity is for the certain company we're looking at? In dollar terms, that usually ends up being around 200 to $300 million of enterprise value. Can we see this business maturing into that size of a company in a period of five, kind of eight years is our standard hold? Um, do we think it's an attractive market? So what are the tailwinds uh, that are driving either market adoption um, or the reasons why I think they're changing within a certain age demographic of consumer B2C business? We look for founder market fit. So why is the team uniquely qualified to capitalize on this opportunity? We look for business model defensibility, most importantly for the long-term form of defensibility. So how do you build in the kind of market-driven forces of defensibility being network effects, economies of scale, economies of scope, kind of brand, uh, especially for B2C businesses? Who is this um, strategic to from an active potential standpoint? What kind of a company do the founders want to build? Are they building a company long-term? They want to eventually take this thing public and still retain, still be the kind of management team that goes forward with that business? Uh, or is this going to be a company that they see and has large strategic value with some other larger business? And lastly, we look for kind of BFF fit. Are we going to be able to help this team? Do we have knowledge of the market? Um, do we have access to talent that these people need? And most importantly, I think, is this, is this going to be a bummer working with this team or is it going to be a good stuff? <laughs> it, always, it all comes down to people, right? you got to build relationships. Sure does. Yeah. All right, now let's talk about your process. Uh, you know, I, I know uh, we've spoken in the past how, how you don't do uh, sort of a classic, uh, you know, partner pitch. Tell us a little bit about that. I think it comes back to us being kind of entrepreneurs or operators first, and it's the importance of building a, a long-lasting relationship with founders is, is so central to everything we do that putting this power dynamic between founders and investors just feels 
equally unfair and unreasonable to us. So we've uh, we've changed up that regular dynamic of um, very intermittent conversations with the VCs and the founders, and then eventually culminating in this huge production of a, a pitch to the entire partnership, where we run a five-week stage gate process, and every single week is a reason is a opportunity where we're going to get back to the founder with either more questions or we're going to pass on the deal. And we do that because I, I think we also really value founder's time very highly. So if we're going to get to a no, let's do it as quickly as possible. Let's be as direct as possible about it. Let's not sugarcoat it with the standard stuff you hear about, you know, this is too early. I just don't like the market. But give an in-depth breakdown of why we actually said no to a, a particular opportunity at a given time. And then lastly, if, it, if we say yes to each one of those stage gate processes, there's no actual partner presentation throughout that, then we issue a term sheet um, and we move forward towards closing. But the, the other beauty is that we're a very small team, we're five people, and so throughout that, those five weeks, you have touch points with every single one of our uh, team members. And I think that's, that's something that doesn't really scale, but I also am not convinced that venture is something that, that really does scale very effectively. Mm. I mean, it's so nice to not, you know, to actually have a fund that avoids the classic partner pitch. You know, my, my advice to uh, to companies is always to try and avoid that, uh, and as much as possible, you know, focus on the relationship. You know, the, the quick, you know, story I give is if you've opened the laptop, you've already lost. Uh, you know, you you want to, you know, want to seek advice. You want to find, you know, how you get along. You want to, you know you know, balance that kind of power dynamic by, you know, relating to the person and, and sort of conveying what you do in a, in a normal conversation. The minute you open up the laptop and, and start trying to, you know, pitch somebody on what you do, then they become a passive recipient of information that, that is a natural judge of that information and, and you just handed them all of the power. I think you're bang on. I think they transition from something where it's a, a constructive conversation to a, I'm now in a position where I'm going to try to critique everything and try to find reasons why you're not going to be right. And I think, yeah, I think it totally changes that power dynamic in the relationships and, and, and for the worse. Yeah. So uh, you, you pass on a lot of deals. You want to talk about some of the reasons why you pass? So I think it's, it's probably the largest reason, um, the biggest bucket is that it's not that venture scale opportunity. So um, if it's going to be a business that is going to be either not have kind of a long-term form of defensibility, is not going to be strategic to someone, and quite frankly, is not going to be able to hit those return thresholds of like a 200 to $300 million enterprise value business in five to eight-year period of time, then it's, that for us, those are very hard deals uh, to make them work because the ownership requirements for us to actually then hit our return thresholds make it inc incredibly painful for founders. So we pass on most, not such a negative term in the market or a negative connotation, but lifestyle businesses, Lifestyle businesses can be excellent companies. I think there's lots of great entrepreneurs that have built incredibly cash flow generative businesses that are coined as lifestyle companies. And it's just the, the asset class of venture is just not well suited for, for those uh, businesses. So I would chalk it up as kind of the number one reason is the lack of, of venture scale. And then sometimes it's these uh, risks that we don't, we're not really good at assuming. So frontier technology risk, we're really bad at analyzing those risk profiles. So, and then it's also some forms of uh, some markets that companies operate. So we don't do any clean tech, we don't do any healthcare or biomedtech deals because we think in order to add value to get to that kind of like BFF fit and value add factor is we, we just know nothing about the customer base and we don't know enough about the industry to be a, a good partner for those entrepreneurs. And when you
you talk about frontier technology risk, so you're you're not into uh, you know quantum computers or anything like that. <laughs> you just need you, not. you need a bigger you need a bigger fund behind you for that, I think, and right, and right. and I maybe think, more yeah. patience. Yeah, I think that's totally right. We need to blow out the ten year life cycle for normal funds, and I think we need a lot more horsepower in terms of cash to be able to support those companies. Excellent, excellent. Well, you know, an entrepreneur comes to you. What's the advice that you can provide for them, or or you know, how do you how do you like companies to approach you? Again, uh, you've got a, you've got a slightly different process, uh, but you're looking for you know BC based companies that are early stage and exciting, uh, yeah. and and you know you 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 like them to just you know have a chat, talk about their business. Yeah, totally. So we we do away with kind of a warm referral introduction process that I think most venture funds adhere uh, to. So just backing up, that means that. Usually, most venture funds like to have someone that they, they know and trust to make introductions to a new entrepreneur that's uh, getting acquainted with. And I think so, reaching out cold to us will always respond. Um, so, all of our email addresses are our first name at bff.bc. So, feel free to, to reach out. But in terms of advice for, for entrepreneurs, I think it's I mean, pretty simple it's be thoughtful about um, why you're raising money. Um, Think about what that ideal partner for you brings to the table. Um, and I, I really encourage entrepreneurs to conduct um, two-way diligence. So when a fund is doing diligence on your business, um, turn it back on them and ask for referrals from founders that are in their portfolio um, and try to do as much kind of background research on the firm as well as the partner that you're going to be working with uh, closely as, as much as possible. This is a long-term relationship. Most uh, venture funds will hold the company for anywhere from five to eight years, uh, or even longer in a lot of cases. So just make sure you're doing that kind of two-way diligence with your partner. All right. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. I know we, we're closely aligned in the way we think. Uh, you know, obviously, we're we're very, very founder-friendly and roll up our sleeves as much as possible. And, and I can tell you, it's a pleasure having worked with you on a couple of deals. Uh, so, you know, I, I'd encourage anybody listening to, to reach out if they are looking for... Uh, Looking for capital, uh, you know, VFF are, are are great partners, and they've been uh, they've been a pleasure to work with. Um, anything else you want to uh, want to say, Jay, before you sign off? No, that's it. I mean, I think I, I echo the same thing he said about us with with their group with Weston Clover. It's been a pleasure working with you guys, and uh, I really do encourage all entrepreneurs out there that are at that kind of seed or early Series A to reach out. Um, Jay at VFF.bc or any one of the partners with first name at VFF.bc. That's great. Thanks so much, man. Really appreciate you uh, calling in today and uh, taking the time to uh, to speak to some of our listeners and and helping them out with some advice and giving them some perspective on what's happening in the venture market these days. Yeah, that's what. Thanks, Owen. All right, thanks, Jay. That's it for today's show. You've been listening to Between Two Term Sheets. Our show is hosted by Owen Matthews, produced by Anya Vasotska, and brought to you by Alacrity Canada. Head to alacritycanada.com to find out more about Alacrity and our other initiatives. You can find more episodes of Between Two Term Sheets for free wherever you listen to podcasts.